You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Season 2 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you find something interesting. Or maybe something spooky. Or maybe something just... Mysterious. I watched an episode of Expedition Unknown recently, hosted by Josh Gates, which raises a curious question. Did Adolf Hitler, as history and the Russians tell us, commit suicide in the Führerbunker at the fall of Berlin to the Red Army, or did he, with the help of what's become known as Odessa, indeed escape and make his way to South America more specifically to Argentina. Newly found and interpreted information may lend credence to the escape theory. For instance, Adolf Eichmann was captured by a team comprised of Mossad agents and members of the Shin Bet, which is the Israeli security agency, in 1960 in Argentina and was taken to Israel to stand trial for war crimes he committed in World War II as a Nazi SS Obersturmbannführer, which is a lieutenant colonel. Eichmann had escaped to Austria at the end of the war, then in 1950, using false papers, he moved to Argentina under the name Ricardo Clement. During his trial, Eichmann did not deny his crimes, but rather excused them by claiming he was simply following orders from those above him. He was found guilty of many of the charges, sentenced to death by hanging, and on June 1, 1962, he was executed. But what of his highest boss, Adolf Hitler? Let's put a little background on this part of the story. Sometime back, It was found that in the area around the St. Elmo Market District in Buenos Aires, Argentina, there were being sold many German and Nazi artifacts. Helmets, daggers, medals. Too many to be a casual collection. Then in 2017, during an Interpol raid 
on an art dealer's house in Buenos Aires. A secret room was found behind a bookshelf which housed a huge trove of Nazi artifacts, busts of Hitler, little statues of Nazi soldiers holding up the Nazi flag, the swastika. There was also a head measuring kit to verify true Aryan breeding, I believe. There were guns and a silver Ouija board, among many other items. According to Argentina's Federal Police Commissioner for the Protection of Cultural Heritage, Marcelo Elibe, many of the items possibly entered Argentina after the war with many high-ranking Nazi officers. So with the find of this cache of Nazi items, interest was piqued anew about Nazis in Argentina in particular, South America and elsewhere in general. We move forward in the investigation to the Latin American head of the Simon Wiesenthal Center, the foremost Nazi hunting group founded and named after Simon Wiesenthal, who was a Holocaust survivor and in his time hunting Nazis, named out over a thousand, I believe it was. This man, who is the Latin American head of the Simon Wiesenthal Center, is Ariel Gelblum, who showed documents, various documents, demonstrating how the Nazis used falsified passports to get into Argentina. He showed documents that a Klaus Altman was in fact Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Lyon, and who was living in Bolivia at the time. Further info about Barbie is that he was hired by the U.S. intelligence agencies after the war to help in anti-communist efforts in Europe. After some years of dealing with various intelligence agencies, Barbie moved to Bolivia, becoming close with the rulers and even becoming a lieutenant colonel in the Bolivian army. It was suggested that Barbie had a hand in the so-called cocaine coup by Luis Garza Mesa Tejeda, which deposed then-leader Hugo Banzer. Tejeda was then pushed out when a democratically elected government, led by Hernan Siles Zuazo, took power in 1982. Now, this man had been president once before early on, but then came back in democratically elected. Barbie lost his inn with the former government and was arrested in 1983 and extradited to France where he stood trial for war crimes. He was convicted on July 4, 1987 and sentenced to life imprisonment which lasted only four years. He died in prison in 1991. A document naming one Helmut Gregor turns out to allow the infamous Dr. Joseph Mengele who fled Germany and punishment into Argentina. Then he went to Paraguay when people got onto him and then after they got onto him in Paraguay he went to Brazil keeping ahead of those people including Simon Wiesenthal who were hounding him. West Germany and the Mossad requested his extradition to West Germany for trial but it was refused. Mengele reportedly died while swimming on the Brazilian coast suffering a stroke and drowning. His body was buried under a false name 
but the body was disinterred and DNA tests proved positive identification. How did all these Nazis, these terrible men, judging by their actions, get permission to escape to Argentina? And I don't mean permission from Germany. I mean, they'd given up on Germany by this time, and it was everybody for themselves. But at the time surrounding World War II, there was a great sympathy for Germany and the Nazi cause in Argentina. Nearing the end of the war, an escape system led to Argentina. Unfortunately, there is proof that both the Red Cross and the Catholic Church assisted some of these men to leave Germany and move to South America. I don't think there's any blame to be laid there. They only had certain information and were not as nearly informed about things as we can be now. What? How long does it take to look up somebody's information on the internet now? They didn't have that. That was all done by hand. It was all done by people searching through files and it was slow going. When the Peron government had hopes that much of the German money would be coming into Argentina through investments, it became very friendly to the escaping Germans. Where did they all go? Did they clump together in Buenos Aires? No. Evidence indicates they spread out considerably, but some of the more paranoid ones may have maintained a military-style group. In the north of Argentina, near the Paraguayan border, lies a town called San Ignacio. In the jungle outside the town lies a deserted, run-down residence, an obviously 20th century building from the construction, but left to return to the jungle. No roof, no doors, no windows. All of that has been taken away either by people or by the jungle. European-style tiles still cover the floor, but all evidence of human habitation is missing. There's no rotting furniture, there's no evidence that people ever lived there, but it's obviously a house. In the nearby vicinity stand further ruins of a similar type and structure to the previous one. However, this is a multi-storied defensive type structure, sort of like a blockhouse or maybe even a bunker. Research and investigation is ongoing at this location. Now, an interesting point of that is that the archaeologist who is doing the research made the statement that it may have been used by Nazis as a hideout just as an off, off remark. And, you know, it's a possible. And the reporters ran with it and started reporting this as factual, that this was definitely a Nazi hideaway. And apparently that is not, that is just not true compared to what the man actually said. Moving on, information regarding a place at the southern end of Argentina in the area of South America called Patagonia. There's a small town called Bariloche, and it has come to light that there was a major concentration of German people living there. Why Bariloche? Because if you look at the pictures of the place, its similarity to the topography and the look of southern Germany near the Alps. The city, when viewed in person, is much like an alpine skiing village as anything, and a very German feel exists in the city. 
and to prove that yes, Nazis did go there after the war, in 1994, reporters, including ABC's Sam Donaldson, confronted a local school teacher named Eric Priebke about his Nazi past. Priebke was a German mid-level SS commander in the SS police force of Nazi Germany. He was stationed in Rome in 1944. He was a participant in what is known as the Ardeatine Massacre where 335 civilians were shot in retribution for the deaths of 33 men of the German SS police regiment Bozen. Later, in Bariloche, he was arrested and sent to Rome to face trial, which lasted four years. After a very clouded judgment, he spent several years in house arrest. He was not allowed to leave. He was not allowed to go back to Argentina. He remained in Rome where he eventually died at the age of 100 of natural causes, and he proclaimed his innocence to the end and that he was just following orders. Rome wouldn't have Pripke's remains. Argentina refused his request for burial there, so he was buried in an undisclosed location that satisfied his family. A man named Abel Basti, an author who wrote the book Bariloche Nazi, believes that none other than Hitler himself directed much of the German immigrant flow into Argentina, and even believes that Hitler lived at the northwest end of the lake that Bariloche sits on. Nahuel Huapi Lake. A private home commands a view of the approach to it, and the landowners aren't very open to visitors at Residencia Inalco. Just down the lake, in a place to act as a warning tower, or a first defense is indeed a tower. And between the tower and the residence lies what looks to be a demolished bunker-like construct. Permission was received by Josh Gates to enter the Analco property, to investigate the house, which revealed not much, and to investigate the grounds. Josh whipped out his trusty metal detector and began scanning the grounds while another tech used ground-penetrating radar to scan the front yard, Josh found a single Nazi-era coin. Other information which adds some fuel to the Hitler-survived fire is documentation from the FBI and the CIA, some dated as late as 1955, that seems to indicate there was considerable doubt that Hitler really did die in the Fuhrer bunker. Indeed, the physical evidence is slim and questionable. The partial skull found outside the Fuhrer bunker, much touted as the evidence that Hitler was dead because it had a bullet hole in it, they found in the spot that Adolf and Eva were supposedly cremated in. But they found it in 1946, after the first round of rumors began surfacing that Adolf had skipped Berlin's final act. The skull was examined in 2009, and found to be that of a woman in her 40s, not a mid-50s man. So the question of did Adolf Hitler survive and escape to South America? I can only say maybe. It's really a moot point now, since those who believe he did say further that he died in Bariloche in 1963 at the age of 73. If Hitler didn't survive the war, at least the mentality of Hitler did. Many of the war criminals who were captured and tried for war crimes 
showed very little remorse for their crimes, citing them as just following orders of the Fuhrer. The use of scapegoats to blame the German troubles on different people, or peoples, was a tactic used to great effect by Hitler. World War II has been over for 73 years. Hitler has been dead a long time. Regardless of 1945 or 1963, that's still my lifetime ago plus. Many of the war criminals of the Third Reich and of the Japanese Empire are either long dead or so old as to be inconsequential. I think it's time to give it all a rest personally. On a related note, when researching the lake beside Bariloche, I found that it has some local cryptid legends. At the beginning of the 20th century and following an old aboriginal legend, and I find it interesting that they say this is an aboriginal legend when I think of aborigines as being from Australia. But of course we know that aboriginal means native or early people. The legend says that there's a giant creature living in the deep waters of the lake. The creature is known locally as Nahuelito. Reported sightings of it predate Nessie and the story The Lost World by Arthur Conan Doyle. The local aborigines, who in this case are called the Mapuche, called another creature El Cuero, or leather, for its smooth skin. The neighboring lake Lago Lacar has also been the site for accounts of another creature, more consistent with the plesiosaur, but the aborigines describe it as a sea cow with teeth all around it. Members of the Buenos Aires Zoo visited the lake in 1922, trying to corroborate the reports of sightings of the prehistoric animal, but found no evidence to support the theory of such a creature. Well, I'll say that's all I have for this week, and I'm sorry it's a short show, but if you have a story suggestion, please send it in to me. I would love to hear from you folks. If you have a story, send it in to me and I'll read it over the air for you. Any comments, please let me know. Terry's Mysterious Moments at Facebook or Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. And you can always contact me either on Facebook or on Gmail and I'll respond. Of course, you know that I have that Facebook page, so any messages you send can be sent there. Don't forget on Mondays to listen to Aaron Hunter as he presents listener stories and sometimes interviews on Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. On Tuesdays, listen to Aaron Frail as he presents Aaron's Horror Show. Me on Wednesdays. I'm the Hump Day. I just realized that. And on alternating uh, occasional Thursdays, Patrick Sean Jones puts out a show called The Sandman Lullaby. If you want to get just our shows and not have to look for them in a podcatcher, go to whatever your app store is, whether it be Apple or Google Play for Android. Look for Real Paranormal Activity the podcast look for that app you'll recognize it by the bright blue eye download that you'll have access strictly to our shows without having to go looking for them well i think this has been a fairly interesting show i enjoyed bringing it to you i hope you enjoy it as you listen to it have a great week 
and we'll see you next time.